What's going on, folks? It's your boy, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMALOTN. Back for another episode of the MMA Lockcast. We are here breaking down the big UFC 277 pay-per-view card, headlined by two title fights. Well, one undisputed title fight and one interim title fight. We got Amanda Nunes trying to reclaim her bantamweight title in the main event against Juliana Pena. And then on the co-main event, we're looking at uh, Brandon Moreno trying to capture the interim title against Kai Car France as Davison Figueiredo sits on the sidelines and hopes to uh, you know fight the winner of this fight. Now, I just want to throw a caution out there to begin with. I do have renovations going on in the house upstairs in the kitchen area. So hoping that the sound isn't too affected here uh, as I'm getting through the podcast. So please bear with me. I'm pretty certain that it won't uh, affect the audio too much here. But uh, again, if it does, I apologize. Uh, So glad to get that out of the way for you guys. All right. Uh, Appreciate everybody stopping by on this Monday afternoon, I believe it's afternoon on the PST side of things, uh, almost 2.30 p.m. here on the East Coast side of things. But uh, wanted to get back to the Monday drops as soon as I possibly could. And uh, yeah, pretty much pulled an all-nighter last night to wrap up the remaining fights that I had on the card. Uh, I did have two more fights to get through this morning, which I just obviously did. And uh, I'm glad that I did because I I feel like I'm going to have a play on both of them already put down one play on one of them uh but i'm going to be waiting on line movement for the other one uh hopefully you guys can decipher which plays i'm going to be making as i go through this card before we get into uh before we get into the breakdowns let's just go over the recap of the last event and for me it was ufc london and uh, we come out on the winning end there plus 4.73 units probably one of my prouder events of the year because of the the stances i was taking on a couple of these spots here that seemed to be a highly debated to you know amongst the masses throughout fight week uh 4.73 units for a 26 percent roi that night um again the the props are the ones that end up screwing me here uh in terms of not making it a higher roi so i'm gonna do my best to stick to the straight bets as much as possible as that's been really coming through for me uh you know that that has been my strong suit right i shouldn't be fucking around with the props considering how much of a you know how much of an issue it's it's brought to me sometimes like i feel pretty damn good about some unders every now and then but uh more often than not they come to you know bite me in the ass so let's just stick with the straight picks as much as possible like even for this weekend's card i have five money line plays that have already dropped there are two props that i'm considering but again they they the price needs to be good enough and I have to feel really damn good about it. And I do feel pretty damn good about those spots. Again, you guys will hear about those spots as we work through this. uh, What is it? 13 fight card. I believe it's 13 fights. Let me just quickly confirm that number here. Yeah, 13 fights. uh, Obviously, five main card and eight prelim fights here. All right. So let's just go through this quick betting recap here. So let's start off with the let's start off with the L's, right? 
Uh, under two and a half in the Mason Jones and Ludovic Klein fight. Surprised that Klein had as much success as he did in terms of nullifying and stifling the all-offense style of Mason Jones, not to mention that ill-advised flying triangle attempt for Mason Jones in the third round really did not help his case. Uh, so that obviously ends up crashing and burning. That also ended up uh, crashing a two-unit parlay, two-unit three-leg parlay that I had, which was already crashed from before that with a giant Herbert and Kyle Nelson. I had the fight doesn't go to decision parlay there with the Jones Klein fight doesn't go to decision, as well as Mark D. Casey, who obviously ends up picking his victory. But we do all in all end up losing 3.5 units on the Jones and Klein violence bet, essentially. The other loss was the dog of the night play, small one unit play on a plus 360 underdog on Charles Johnson. Very much impressed with Mokayev, you know, dealing with legitimate resistance, a guy that had solid takedown defense, good get-ups, and would continuously make Mokayev work. Unfortunately, Johnson couldn't get any of his offense off, as I do think that a lot of that had to do with being gun-shy uh, and not, you know, uh, getting countered with a level change and a takedown from Mokayev. So pretty much got muzzled that entire fight and not uh, didn't have any success throwing any offense unless he was in a defensive position. So minus one unit there. But then it was pretty much all uphill for the rest of the night there. First of which, which is a uh, 1.83 unit play on Jonathan Pierce at minus 183 on Mach Amir Very surprised that the line came down as much as it did closer to fight time. Like I think we even saw Jonathan Pierce closer to minus 150 come fight time, which I found a little bit puzzling. Uh, but I'm glad that Pierce survived that early uh, rush from Americani clearly worked on his Anaconda and Dar's defense. As you saw that as soon as Maquan tried setting it up, his coaches even said it, fight the hands right away. And that's exactly what he did. Managed to stay safe and then eventually break Americani, eventually finishing him in that second round. So good work from him there. That was another spot where I was very close to going the uh, the Bill Algeo round three slash decision route that I went the prior week uh, where I went two units at plus 140 there. I'm glad that I didn't as Jonathan Pierce was able to get it done in the second i learned my lesson in that uh, bill algio fight just take the money line don't get cute with the uh the props it's a good enough line you think he wins at a good enough clip so it's worth it uh then came the lock of the night play which was Volkan uzdemir i had him five units at minus 155 for plus 3.23 units very happy with that performance from Volkan uzdemir you know a lot of people are saying that volk looks like a potential fade moving forward but like you got to take into consideration similar to the charles johnson fight where Uzdemir was slightly muzzled because of the potential takedown attempts of Paul Craig, which he had many of, but could not secure any one of them. And anytime Paul Craig flopped to his back, Volkin got a couple of good shots off, then got back to his feet, landed a couple of good strikes on the feet. And again, I personally did expect him to open up some more to potentially get that knockout of Paul Craig, but I completely understand playing it super cautious so he didn't get taken down and end up in a bad position. And that's exactly what we needed for him to go out there and get that dub. Uh, and then lastly, I had a 3.24 unit play on Jack Hermanson at minus 108. That cashes for three units. Say what you want about the performance. Jack got it done. You know, he even said afterwards that he knew Chris Curtis had ta good takedown defense, as did I. But I still expected Jack Hermanson to have good enough success in the striking room to uh, chip away at Chris Curtis. Uh, and win. Did I call that he was going to win like a bicycle type performance? No, but I did say that I thought he could be a competitive enough in the striking realm with Chris Curtis. Uh, even if it's not a, a full out striking battle, uh, he did, you know, he, he utilized his advantages. It was the range, the movement, the footwork, the kicks. 
he utilized all of it and he came out on the winning end. Uh, yeah. So end of the Cinderella story for Chris Curtis that night, just as it was, as it was the end of the Cinderella story of Paul Craig and his six fight undefeated streak. Glad to cash on both of those and end up with plus 4.73 units on the night. So that brings us into uh, UFC 277 this weekend here. Let me just quickly take a look at some of the comments that we got before we get into the breakdowns here. Uh, Joshua Frick in the chat. See you guys in there. Brock saying renovations and recession. Big ball of luck is what it is. Got to get the kitchen redone. Elijah <laughs> uh, One Dream saying Jones fucked up a, car, a couple of parlays. It ended up being the violence in that fight that fucked it up for me, but is what it is. Glad that we got it done. Robot Chicken Wing saying Leonardo showed up. Um, yeah, I, I kind of wish that I pulled the trigger there as well, right? You guys know that uh, women's MMA seems to be my forte, and uh, that was possibly a spot that I should have taken advantage of. Um, but I'm not going to make that same mistake this weekend, and you guys will see what I mean as I get into it. Hot Hands in the chat saying, what's up, Lock? It's your boys. Boy, Hands from H Street Organics. Let's get this money. Dog of the night is Juliana Pena. We'll see about that once I get around to that. Juan Lopez saying he was so proud of Leonardo. Um, let's see. Ryan Masson saying early video thoughts on close Moreno parlay at plus 129. Oscar sprinkles someone on uh, line hard with that crazy line. As I get to the podcast, you shall see what I mean. My friend Mahler138 on the Car France and Pena train there. Robot chicken when you're saying Gus was a bad play. I'm glad that I get didn't get to the point of actually pulling the trigger on him. The guy just can't take a shot anymore. Very unfortunate. Hot hands saying, fuck, one of my bad uh, spots. I got nervous and took fight. Doesn't go to the decision with Vulcan and Craig. Should I have just stuck with Vulcan? Yes, sir. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I said there, there is a chance that we could see this fight go to decision with uh, Vulcan playing it safe and not wanting to get taken down. And that's exactly what happened that night. Um... Uh, Fletcher Cox asking if there's any picks for Dana White Contender Series. I have not looked into it. Um, as I'm now finally, you know, getting to these early MMA lockcast drops, I may look into uh, researching uh, Contender Series if I have enough time. But like, I still got to update the Lock of the Night and Dog of the Night competition. I, you know, I got some more tape index updates to to throw up there. Um, yeah, so maybe if I get the time, I'll absolutely uh, look into it. But for tomorrow, I do not. MMA bet sharp saying always tune into these early predictions because things start to get jammed up later in the week. I agree. Uh, and I've noticed that as well with some of the line movement that I miss out on by, you know, taking that long to get around to some of these fights. So I'm glad to uh, get onto it here. I'm sure you guys can hear the drilling above me. I'm hoping that it's not too distracting again. Renovations going on in the house, but I wanted to bang this out uh, as soon as I possibly could. Brock saying, did they release the asthma injury yet? I have not seen it. I'm assuming it's some sort of ACL injury. Danny Legs in the chat saying, main event fight doesn't go to decision and under three and a half, just like we drew it up. Exactly. Should have seen that coming from a mile away, right, Danny? Appreciate you. Moreno season. Shout out to my guy, Sharksta. DFS, letting you guys know what's good. Wendy Willis saying, embarrassing performance from Asthma, most high prospect letdown in history. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into the breakdowns of these cards. First fight, of, or these fights, I should say. Uh, first fight of the night, a welterweight fight between Orion Kosi and Blood Diamond, Mike Mateta, a.k.a. Uh, interesting line here, minus 175 on Kosi, plus 150, the return on Blood Diamond. 
Um, that this fight I feel like has been, you know, talked about for a while now. Let me just quickly check the last time these guys were scheduled to fight. Uh, yeah, it was uh, back in February where they were initially scheduled to fight. Kosi pulls out. I believe that's when uh, Jeremiah Wells stepped in and obviously got the victory that night. Uh, and then UFC 275, Blood Diamond ended up withdrawing. Now here they are about a month and a half later, throwing down. Uh, and uh, this should be a violent fight. I'm very much looking forward to this fight because I'm expecting uh, heat from both sides. Kosi will obviously come with the grapple-heavy game plan, obviously has the uh, wrestling advantage in the spot. That has usually been his calling card throughout his uh, MMA career. And then on the flip side for Blood Diamond, obvious kickboxing background where you know he has some decent knockout power, but I still feel as though he's a little bit too green to be in the UFC He's one of those guys that like fell into the UFC because of his close relationship with one of his teammates, right? Similar to how Chris Avila got into the UFC with Nate Diaz, how Mariano, Marcos Mariano, I believe the kid's name was, uh, got into the UFC because of Anderson Silva, Artem Lobov with Conor McGregor. We see it over and over again. And Israel Adesanya got his way by bringing his guy Blood Diamond into the cage here and, uh, just not a good look, right? Blood Diamond should definitely stick with the kickboxing side of things as that's where he gets his best work done. He's 34 years old. You know, he's uh, his first MMA fight was back in 2017. Just did not stay, uh, just did not stay uh, consistent with it enough. Uh, mixed in the kickboxing here and there, but we could obviously see, you know, where he's going to struggle, especially when he goes up against uh, solid grapplers like he did against Jeremiah Wells last time around. And once again, the UFC is doing him no favors by matching him up with Orion Kosi. I'm completely understanding why people are taking the shot on Kosi at minus 175. I would as well, but uh, the spot that I'm looking at most is the under one and a half. I'm expecting a Early takedown here from Kosi, and I think he wrecks him from on top, ending up getting uh, top position, full mount, maybe gets the back, maybe gets the rear naked choke, but I'm not expecting any type of resistance, or at least not enough resistance from uh, Diamond that he sees uh, you know, the over one and a half round mark here. On the flip side, I will say that Blood Diamond could potentially catch Kosi with a knee on the way in, or he could actually find the chin of Kosi at a certain point, as Kosi's durability seems to be a little bit questionable. Um we saw in the Phil, Phil Rowe fight where he really struggled uh, to close that distance. And we saw Rowe really starching from the outside. But I'm expecting that Blood Diamond will more than likely not land that big uh, knockout blow. And Kosi will drag this fight to the ground and have immense success eventually hitting that under one and a half, which will more than likely be a bet for myself. Uh, it's still early in the week. I'm seeing under one and a half at minus 105 on bet online. I'm seeing plus 105 on Caesars. But I want to get get it to be a, a widely available line before i drop it as an official tip so that's just bide our time there's no 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 reason i think you can bet it up to maybe minus 140 ish maybe even minus 150 but i think we'll get roughly around that minus 130 minus 120 line especially once it just starts dropping and becomes widely available uh ba -ba 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 -ba. let's see here danny leg saying blood diamond one of the worst to do it i love it Robot Chicken Wings saying, I love the early show. I'm doing my best to stick with it as much as possible. Appreciate the love, my friend. Danny Legg saying, hoping for a good under two and a half. Had that in Wells Diamond as well. Yeah, I had the under one and a half in that one. Um, again, I'm willing to bite the bullet and take five minutes less here, but I don't think it's going to take that long for this fight to be decided. Juan Lopez saying, Kosi has the best style to deal with what Diamond has to offer, but minus 175 is a bit too much. Could be, you know. Maybe he probably doesn't have as bad of a gas tank issue as his brother does, but he still does start to slow down the later that fights start to get. 
Robot Chicken Wings saying Wendy Willis can't control injuries. <laughs> Got to know that my guy Wendy Willis was uh, being a little tongue-in-cheek with that comment there. All right, let us move on to the next fight here. It is going down in the men's 205-pound division, the light heavyweight division. We got Ehor Patera. Pretoria, I'm going to go with Pretoria, going up against Nikolai Negomerianu. In terms of odds, we got minus 145 on Pretoria, and Negomerianu comes in at plus 125. This is a spot where I feel like we need to take uh, advantage of the underdog. Now, I get it. Negomerianu coming into the UFC didn't have that great of a record, right? I believe his record was sitting around 37, or sorry, combined opponent record was not the greatest coming into the UFC. 37 and 81 is what he was going up against on the regional scene. And then on the flip side for uh, for Ehor, it was 74 and 87 with 16 of those 21 opponents having records below 500, which is not a good look at all. I will say this about the Nega Mariano record, right? 37 and 81 sounds absolutely whack. But if I'm not mistaken, one of those guys had like 40 plus losses. Uh, yeah, there's a guy, Yuri Gorbenko, that was 12 and 41. Uh, Nikolai just you know, pretty much just put him through the grinder for 10 minutes. And that Gory Benko guy could not answer the bell for round three. On the flip side for Ehor, man, like the guy seems to show some decent skills. Like he has good hand speed. He's obviously going to be the faster fighter here. He has some good knockout power. Uh, his ground game when he's on top looks pretty okay. But, you know, it's all against mediocre to very low level competition. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that Nego Mariano is a great uh, competitor in his own right, but like at least he's gone up against much better guys than what Ihor was fighting on the regional scene, right? Again, Alexa Kamor, uh, Ike Villanueva, Kennedy and Zetsuko, those guys aren't like going to be champions by any means, but at least they're better than the Lucas Sudolskis and the guys that uh, Ihor was fighting on the, the regional scene and the contender series. I think the the one hole in Hior's game that Nick could uh, exploit is, you know, being overpowered in the clinch and the grappling and wrestling areas. We saw uh, three fights ago, uh, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce this guy's name, but at WWFC 18, uh, Ihor got taken down by this guy and was pretty much being, you know, grinded out. But it seems like in WWFC, they just don't allow guys to have immense amount of control time on the ground without being able to pass position, right? We see it in the UFC where like guys can ride out full guard, but just stay busy enough by landing shots from on top. And this Georgie guy seemed like he was landing enough decent shots to stay active. But I've seen it time and time again in WWFC where they want constant action if you know, you're in one position for too long, they're going to stand you back up and they're going to want you to swing them uh, bows. And once we saw the fight get back to his feet, we saw Georgie's really start to slow down. And uh, Ihor, you know, saw all the takedown attempts coming and he was able to stuff them. And then he just lit him up on the feet, being the much better striker in those spots. So I'm fully expecting uh, Ihor to be the better striker here in terms of being faster to the punch and possibly landing on the chin of Nikolai. But from everything that I've seen from Nego Mariano, the guy seems to have solid durability. The guy is, you know, a bit of a punching bag, but like he keeps coming forward, keeps throwing big shots, he keeps pressuring his opponents. And I think in this instance, it might look like the Alexa Kamor fight where he can get solid amount of control time up against the cage, maybe land some takedowns and really wear on Ihor Pretoria. So... This is a you know uh 
possible this is a fade spot for me on, on the Pretoria side the guy could end up being a solid fighter but uh, i'm gonna have to take the shot on negamariano as a small underdog here as uh, i do think he has all the tools to give a guy like Pretoria uh, legit issues right the guy's been fighting like there's there's bums and there's like legitimate can bums that it feels like they just picked out from the crowd and you know just go back and watch most of these fights that Pretoria has been in not a good look at all obvious skill discrepancy amongst all of the competition that he's gone up against but now we'll get to see what he looks like against somebody that won't back down a guy that won't completely gas and a guy that just won't fold and uh give up a takedown super easily as most of the opponents have for ehor so uh yeah i'm gonna go with nego mariano here i think he grinds out this fight for a 15 minute decision all right um let's see uh daddy is saying potty just like his strength of schedule exactly i like it uh juan lopez saying i'm taking violence on this fight will be high possibly but i think we're gonna see nego mariano just try to stick to him like glue as best as possible wendy willis uh all right we're, i'm not even gonna get into that conversation uh patty with the ten dollar dono appreciate the love my friend saying this one is for ludovic i guess he cashed for you is what it is. Gunny saying, I got the dog in this fight. This Pretoria guy's record is padded as fuck. Yes, not only is it padded, but again, like Nega Mariano had a pretty padded record coming into the UFC as well. But like, watch the fights, right? Watch the fights and you'll see what I mean. Brock saying Pretoria is a can crusher. I agree. Brock saying, but not the biggest one on this card. We'll get there. I know who you're talking about. Gunny saying, yes, sir, Locke. I knew I like you for a reason. Usually we're on the same side, my friend. Brock saying that goes to Abdel Wahab, exactly. Uh, Juan Lopez, level of competition is horrendous for Pretoria as well. Again, like that's going to be the narrative on Pretoria this whole week. The same could have been said for Nega Mariano coming into the UFC, but again, he's showcasing that he can hang with some of these guys that won't just fold over. Uh, All right, let us move on to the next fight here. We're looking at... Uh, uh, a women's flyweight bout between where is it jocelyn edwards and ji yoon kim right now we're getting minus 125 on jocelyn edwards plus 105 the return on ji yoon kim uh we have been seeing some action come in on the kim side here as kim was uh in terms of bet online Bet online actually had it as a minus 150 favorite. Wow, kind of surprised that it actually opened up that wide. A lot of money coming in on Jocelyn Edwards over the last couple of days pushed Kim to being a plus 100 underdog, even got it up to about plus 120 ish in certain spots. But uh, now we're seeing the line come back a little bit on Ji Yoon Kim here. Uh, this could be a close fight, right? Uh, I do think that Kim should be the side here. I think she's the more effective striker. I think she's the better technical striker. And I do think she'll be able to get the output here on Jocelyn Edwards. Edwards, you know, I I was very hot and cold on her at times, right? Um, but it seems like, you know, when you can take her down, you can grind her out in those positions. Kim has never attempted a takedown, uh, a takedown in the UFC, but I feel as though at a certain point, she's going to have to start incorporating it. And what better fight to do with it than here against Jocelyn Edwards. Now, Kim has spent time in the past at Syndicate MMA, and I still thought she was uh, up until yesterday. And then one of my uh, buddies actually brought it up to me that she actually moved over to Bangtao. And it came to my 
realiz realization because I looked on the IG and the last picture I saw was uh, uh, him with Ramona Pasquale and uh, I failed to see George Hickman uh, on the other side of uh, Ramona Pasquale there. And uh, yeah, that, that should have been enough to, for me to know that she was actually at Bang Tao. But that still does not change any of my uh, uh, conviction in regarding this fight. You know, George Hickman, formerly the head coach over there at Tiger Muay Thai, ended up leaving that gym, I believe about a year ago it's been now, and started up his own gym, Bang Tao Muay Thai. Uh, but he came to Tiger Muay Thai as a wrestling coach, ended up becoming the MMA head coach, and now obviously has his own gym over there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him go out there and actually attempt takedowns here, uh, or at least try to get Kim to attempt takedowns and take advantage of that horrendous bottom game of Jocelyn Edwards. But even if this fight plays out on the feet, I think Kim will be the one that lands the more uh, effective strikes, is the one that's going to be more, um, you know, uh, uh, busy at least. You know, Edwards can only get away with just chopping away at the leg from distance for so long. Ramona Pasquale just did not have the striking to make it much of a fight there. And uh, that's why I think that we saw Edwards actually win that last time around. But she's going to face legitimate opposition and, and, uh, you know, uh, resistance here against a girl like Ji Yoon Kim. And that's why I think that Kim should be the slight favorite in this spot. And I think that's why she'll end up winning this fight. She's going to be more active. She'll land the better strikes. She clearly got robbed in her last fight against Priscilla Cachuera. And I think she's going to come back with a, a bit of fury here. And hopefully that should be enough for her to go out there and get her hand raised. In terms of the, the metrics of this fight, right? Uh, it's Jocelyn Edwards with a one-inch height advantage, but it is Kim with a two-inch reach advantage. So I think it pretty much nullifies itself. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do lean on the Kim side here. It's going to be close. I'm glad that I'll be getting the uh, the underdog money here on Kim, but I think she can keep it competitive enough, keep that striking going, uh, land the better strikes. She's not going to have to worry about the the constant forward pressure like the Priscilla Cashwara and Molly McCann fights, uh, but I think that she'll be able to assert her dominance here with her jab, with her combinations, and likely take home a decision victory. So give me Ji Yoon Kim. All right, let's see here. Gunny got Jocelyn, so we're pretty much on the other side here. Patty said I lost on Ludovic. Actually, he made me a fan for this weekend, though. Respectful upset. It is a respectful upset. Uh, Brock saying this fight is at 135. Yeah, that was kind of the uh, the the weird nature of this, right? Let me know where you heard that it was confirmed that it's uh, at 135. I don't think I don't think the weight class difference will will be that much of an advantage for Jocelyn Edwards, honestly. Like, you know, they're relatively the same sized women, and it's going to turn out to be a, a kickboxing matchup. I'd be surprised if we see Edwards go for you know takedown attempts uh, consistently. I know Kim has a thirty six take thirty six percent takedown defense rate, but she has shown decent get ups at times, and I think that's where she'll be able to uh, keep this fight upright and then. Uh, touch up Edwards from the outside. Robot Chicken Wing saying, Kim can't even connect against Zombie Girl. Edwards is way more technical. I don't know about that, man. And I don't know what you're talking about connect against. She couldn't connect against uh, uh, Priscilla Cashwara. She landed 170 significant strikes. 45% striking accuracy. <laughs> she should have won that fight. There's no way she lost that fight. 
But again, forward pressure is what it is. Uh, JP said, uh, Kim Ezra grappling again, she's never uh, implemented it herself, but uh, what we'll, we'll see here. Juan Lopez saying, I like him, but I'm waiting for money to come on Edwards. I feel like the money is coming in on Kim, honestly. Wow, JP said Kim's last fight lost me 13k. Ouch, she should have won that fight. MMA Sharp saying the least. Uh, the thing I least like about Kim is how bad she's fighting under fatigue. Cashwara and Molly only beat her because they stole the round at the end of round three. But she still did a good enough job in the, the first two rounds to beat uh, to beat uh, those guys, or at least beat Cashwara. I thought she lost the Molly McCann fight. Real News MMA saying was disappointed. Kim didn't try to grapple more with Cashwara. Again, we can't expect it. Like, I'm stating that it could potentially happen, but you can't rest and, you know, put your money behind Kim strictly due to the fact that you expect her to grapple. She hasn't grappled at all in the UFC. So I'm hoping that we'll see uh, a little bit of diversity here from her now that she's working with George Hickman. It's not 100% sure. MMA bets sharp saying also not sure if this is true, but I've heard this fight is at 135. I heard 125. Sure dog is reporting 135. Let me just message my guy uh Big Marcel and see if he uh see if he can let me know the lowdown here. He's usually the guy in the know. All right. I'll uh whenever he gets back to me, I'll let you guys know what he says, but he's usually the, the be all end all of all this shit. All right. Let us move on to the oh, so again, official prediction is gonna be Kim by decision. That's uh two of the first three underdogs that I'm gonna be taking on the card here, as I do think there are some very good underdogs on this card. All right, let us move on to the next fight here. We got Michael Morales as a minus 650 favorite taking on short notice. Adam Fuget, or Fuget, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, plus 425 on the short notice Fuget. Now, um, initially, I thought that this was just going to be a free square on Morales, right? I was impressed with the kid on the contender series. I was impressed again with him once again against Trevin Giles, but he's still young. You know, I mean, there, there's there's some work that he still needs to do, but like his athleticism is off the charts. He's definitely going to have the advantage in that realm. In this fight, he's the better technical striker. He has a ton of power behind his strikes as well, which will definitely help him here. And his uh, wrestling background, I believe he was a part of the Ecuadorian national team, if I'm not mistaken. Defensively speaking, it's looking pretty good, right? He showed off pretty good in the contender series fight against uh, Nikolai Viratenikov, I think the kid's name was. And then even against uh, Trevin Jowes, he did a good job in terms of keeping that fight upright. But this Fugit kid, or Fugit, uh, a lot better than I expected, right? I, like, I'm not expecting him to go out there and be the favorite in this fight, but I don't think he should be a plus 400 underdog. Like, the kid, you know, he has a decent wrestling background in terms of, uh, uh, well, 
may, maybe not the highest level uh, of wrestling background, but in terms of how he employs it in his uh, MMA game, very impressive. His striking is, you know, not as technical as Mraz, but it's, you know, it's forward pressure. Uh, a lot of it has to do with his output and his pace. And his cardio looks pretty on point too. Um, this will obviously be the toughest test to date for him. Uh, he took on Solomon Renfro in his last fight as a plus 400 dog and ended up knocking out Renfro in that fight. Um, and I felt as though if I had done the tape before that fight, I probably would have taken a shot on him in that spot as Renfro, you know, will always be a standout regional guy. I just don't know if he'll have that ultimate success on the regional scene. But if you get like, if his durability could hold up here, he could grind on Morales here, right? His output, his his clinch game, even up against the case, uh, cage could be enough for him to, to squeak out some of these rounds. Like, Morales should win this fight. Don't get me wrong. He will be my ultimate prediction in this spot. And I think he'll probably win this fight by knockout. But I believe Fugit has been, you know, training consistently. I, I think he's just been waiting for this short notice opportunity. So I'm expecting him to have his gas tank in check and him to go out there and show the, showcase that, you know, classic Fugit style, which is pressure, pace, offense, relentlessness. But again, like, in the grappling exchanges, I don't expect him to have ultimate uh, success there, but he should have moments and periods where he can kind of grind up against Morales, up against the cage. Um, Veritanikov just did not have the gas tank to put that type of pressure and that type of style on Morales, especially considering the, the improvements that we saw from Morales in terms of his grappling game compared to what we saw on the regional scene. But I think that Fugate could have more success than what Veritanikov had in that fight. And if I'm not mistaken, Morales was the underdog in that fight. Let me just quickly uh, pull that statistic up here just to confirm that. But I remember Vertenikov was the, yeah, Vertenikov was like the minus 230 favorite that night. And he just couldn't get off the game that people expected him to get off. Maybe Fugit can. So, like, I'm not saying, you know, empty the house here on Fugit, but I'm going to have to take a half unit shot on him at least. I'm expecting a lot of money to be coming in on Morales as he's going to continue to get parlayed as people expect him to be the free square this week. But not me. I, I got to be that guy that's going to take a stand here on the Fugit side. Uh, again, only a half unit shot. No need to get crazy with these big underdogs. But, like... There are times where you should look to take the uh, shot on a big underdog. And if you'd like what you see on tape, like I did with Fugit, again, level of competition could be a little bit sketchy, but I feel like what everything that I've been seeing, pace, pressure, cardio, wrestling, uh, you know, striking to a certain extent, again, like I said, Morales will have the striking advantage, but just putting that pressure on Morales, mixing it up with clinch work and takedowns could uh, eke out a, a decision victory for him here. So... Yeah, I'll go. I'll go Morales by knockout as an official prediction. But in terms of betting, like I'm gonna take a half unit shot here on Fugit. Um, I'm hoping I can even get plus five hundred come uh, the time that I actually bet him. But I'm expecting Morales con to continue to climb here with a lot of people throwing him into parlays and bringing that money in. Uh, Brock saying move to one three five because Edwards took on Shorners. Kim accepted. Uh. <laughs> uh, uh, Big Marcel just uh, replied to me in regards to my question about uh, which weight class the Kim and Edwards fight is taking, being taken place at, and he says it's Juan Teddy Five. Yeah, he put he literally spelt it out W A N T U T T Y F A H V. Threw me for a loop initially, but uh, yeah, so it is at 135 again. 
doesn't make a big difference to me. I don't think that uh, uh, Justin Edwards is, you know, so imposing uh, physically that Kim will struggle in that aspect. All right. Uh, people keep talking about the Aspinall fight again. That's I'm just going to go back and back, back and I'm not even going to bother with that. But yeah, small unit shot here on Fugit, but prediction will be Michael Morales. All right, let us move on to the next fight here. We're going to be talking about a lightweight fight between Jakar Close, who's coming in as a minus 225 favorite, going up against Haf Rafa Garcia, coming in at plus 190. Uh, Close came in with a vengeance in his last fight against Brandon Jenkins. I believe that was back in April. Uh, went out there and just steamrolled uh, Brandon Jenkins. Heard him early in that first round, and we saw Brandon Jenkins actually survive a little bit there. But then once that second round started, Close put the pressure on him once again and eventually got him out of there. Watching that fight, you'd think that Jokar Close is a knockout artist, but he's not. You know, he more often than not, he goes to a decision. He stays uh, busy with his uh, leg kick. Then he opens up his punching behind that, but he likes to engage in the clinch, pushes opponents up against the cage, look for takedowns, but if he doesn't get the takedowns, he's fine with just chipping away with them at the uh, against the cage. There are a couple of decisions that he probably shouldn't have deserved throughout his UFC career, but he still continues to get his hand raised, uh, and, and I think he could outgrind and outpace Garcia in the spot. I'm not over, overly impressed with Garcia, right? I did pick him and bet him against Natan Levy because I thought he was the better fighter there. Um, I thought he would blunder or, or you know, fumble the bag against Jesse Ronson. Landed a good shot, got that club and spot, a club and sub spot there against Jesse Ronson. But I think his uh, little two fight winning streak comes to a close here against Ricard Close, who's uh, just going to be the better fighter overall, right? I think Close has the better cardio. I think he'll be able to pull away as this fight starts to go longer. But I think he'll be able to, you know, nullify the, the big power striking game of Garcia. And again, Close's durability looks pretty damn good, right? Like, let's put the Benio Darius fight to the side. That is a fight that's an anomaly in and of itself, considering uh, uh, how reckless they both fought in that second round, that crazy, you know, uh, scenario that they gave us or that crazy exchange that they gave us that night. I don't think that we'll see that side of Jakar Close again, unless, of course, he's fallen in love with his knockout power, right? Maybe he finds the chin of Garcia and puts him down. But I think that would be very ill-advised as Garcia has some pretty big power in his own right. But uh, I'll go with the close side. Initially, I was thinking of parlaying him, but I think I'm going to stay off of it. Like, he should win this fight without much issue, but he always fights pretty close to the to, to his opponent's level um, outside of the Brandon Jenkins fight. And I'm expecting that we're going to see him go back to being that fighter that grinded out decision victories over um, Lando Venata and, and Bobby Green. That's the type of performance I'm expecting here from Jakar Close to get a winning streak going of his own. So give me Jakar Close, Jakar Close by decision, uh, but uh, I'll likely be staying away from this fight. Aaron Quillas in the chat. What's going on, my friend? Brock's saying, yeah, would have only mattered if Edwards was trying to cut to 125 on short notice. Leon S is saying, Lee, close, almost finished Darius. Close is going to destroy Garcia easily. I wouldn't say easily. Like, I think he, he might run into a little bit of issues here, but he should win this fight. Corey Yeeple with the, you know, I was expecting somebody to eventually say this. Close makes his fights too close for me. Missed out on the double O for the two, but it is fine. It's all good. <laughs> I was going to say it like I always do, but uh, I'll pass on it. I'm glad that somebody else said it. So, uh, Jakar Close, Jakar Close by decision. 
maybe a late finish as well if he really starts to turn the burners on and really starts to believe in his knockout and finishing power like uh, he used to in his earlier uh, professional MMA fights. All right, let us move on to the next fight here. We got a heavyweight fight between Dontel Mays coming in at minus 145 and Hamdi Abdel Wahab. Uh, interesting line movement on this one as well, right? We had Dontel Mays open up as a plus 100 underdog and steady money coming in on him over the last couple of days, now pushing him up to a minus 160 favorite at certain spots as well. So you can definitely get... Um, there are spots that have him around minus 145 still, but I'm fully expecting this line to close closer to minus 200 by the time fight time goes down. Also, once again, for anybody joining, uh, you know, over the last 10 or 15 minutes or so, if you hear the banging and drilling above me, I have uh, renovations going down upstairs, uh, but I felt as though I could still be, I could still squeeze out this uh, podcast for you guys without too much issue. I'm doing my best to ignore it myself, but I'm hoping it's not picking up on the, uh, picking up on the uh, mic as much it is, as it is through my headphones. So again, apologies for anybody that's getting annoyed by that. Hopefully my voice is more than enough to drown those things out. All right. Uh, like I said, don't tell Maze. Should be closer to minus 200 here, right? Abdel Wahab, Egyptian wrestling standout, right? He made it to the Olympics for wrestling. Uh, that's kind of been his calling card and why there was a lot of hype on him. That's why front or FRM, first round management, signed him. Um, uh, uh, signed him just like they did that uh, Mahmoud Sebi guy uh, in Bellator who recently fumbled the bag. It's a minus 1250 favorite uh, a couple months ago. And Abdel Wahab seems to have that type of flakiness in him as well, right? If he can't get it done early, things are going to get shakier for him as fights go on. And I think that's where Maze's uh, advantage will start to come into play. If Abdel Wahab doesn't fight like a numbskull, which he seems like he kind of is, right? Like there was one fight where he got disqualified because he was hammer fisting the shit out of the back of the head uh, of his opponent and then got pissed off because he's going, it was at the back of the head. Watch that fight back, my friend, because that was all back to the head. There was never a more blatant uh, example of a guy having to get disqualified for shots to the back of the head than that fight. The guy just went absolute ape shit on his uh on the back of his head got dq'd i believe that was on the uh on his amateur record if i'm not mistaken but ends up taking an l there um almost did it again in one of his uh bare knuckle mma fights but the referee didn't really catch up onto it he ended up finishing that guy anyway but uh the what was it the his last fight uh let me pull up the guy's name here the last fight against uh or sorry Third last fight, because there were two more fights after that, but his third last fight against Dustin Clements. That was a guy that would likely have the same like size and reach and height advantage that uh, Dontel Mazer is going to have. And that guy seemed to have pretty good success from the outside had he only not thrown a little bit more. And I think that's what we're going to see here for Mays. I think Mays will chip away at him from the outside. I think Mays has the better cardio. I think Abdel Wahab does start to slow down in his fights. As we saw in the Dustin Clemens fight, like in the second round, he was huffing and puffing. Seemed like he was really trying to just bide his time and just wait for a proper opportunity where he can muster up enough energy to uh, go for a double leg, drag the fight to the ground, and then just lay on his opponent from on top there. That's exactly what he did against Dustin. But I think we're going to see more of a uh, more resistance from Dontel Mays in this spot. 
this is one of those spots that could look like a minus 400 spot for Dontel Mays if he plays this as best as he possibly can. Stay on the outside, keep up Dawa Wahab at distance, and just chip away at him and potentially finish him in the third round, similar to how we did against Josh Parisian. I wouldn't even be surprised if Mays hits his own takedown the later that this fight goes, considering the gas tank issues that I believe Abdel Wahab actually has. Um, again, if Hamdi comes in fully prepared with a smart game plan, he could grind out Mays on the mat, right? But I'm not expecting him to have that type of success. I'm expecting him to struggle tremendously here to get Dontel Mays down over and over again. If he get, gets Mays down early in this fight, I think that Mays will stay safe enough that he doesn't get finished. Um, and then he'll take over in rounds two and three, possibly finishing him in the third round. Um, uh, other, The last thing I'll say about Hamdi, his striking is very rudimentary. It's all based around him just finding that knockout blow against Mays. He doesn't throw any jabs. He's just looking to swing that overhand right. It's worked you know, more often than not on the, you know, throughout his MMA career, amateur and professionally, but as he takes, takes levels or steps up in competition, it's not going to land that often. And he's going to have to rely on his wrestling more and more. We'll see if he can do that here against Mays, but if he can't, sketchy. Also, something I do want to say that is sketchy is his last fight was uh, against a guy that he knocked out in 15 seconds in bare knuckle MMA in game bread fighting championships, which is bare knuckle MMA. Then he came back and fought him again, uh, roughly about a, a year later, just under a year later, in uh, Jorge Masvidal's other MMA promotion called Icon FC. But it was a post slim fight that there's no footage of. So I'm I'm wondering if that fight actually took place because even on Tapology it has it just says round one KO. It doesn't say anything else other than that. Let me see if Sherdog actually has an actual time and uh, method of victory for that because it's very sketchy that he would be a post-slim on Gamebred's uh, fighting here. Yeah, even on uh, on on Sherdog, zero of, uh, you know, they, they have no time uh, in terms of when he actually finished Matthew Strickland. Like, I'm not saying he didn't beat Matthew, Matthew Strickland because I'm sure he did because he already did in Baird Uncle MMA, but like, I feel like they're just kind of patting his record by throwing that record onto it um, just to get him into the UFC. But yeah, I'm going Mays here. Uh, and I, I liked him as a slight favorite. The higher that this line get, I, gets, I think it's going to start to get out of whack because Abdel Wahab winning by grinding decision is somewhat live in this spot. Uh, Brock saying, if you hear any banging, locks, neighbors are shooting porn, so just ignore it. There you guys go. Leon Nestis dog or Stug saying, uh, I bet Mays minus 130. I don't understand how he is in line minus 250. Expect him to look minus 200. I'm expecting by the time the fight closes, he'll look closer to minus or or will actually be closer to minus 250. Corey Yipo saying, wrestler versus boxer. Always take the wrestler, especially at plus money. Watch the tape on my guy, Abdel Wahab, and you'll see why people are taking Mays. Wendy Willis saying Mays can wrestle as well. Probably not as well as Abdel Wahab if they were both fresh, but the deeper the fight goes, I think he could potentially land um, takedowns as well. Brock said Mays has a purple belt in BJJ. Uh, I think he'll be safe enough on the mat here against Abdel Wahab if uh, he gets him to the mat. Wendy Willis saying fight doesn't go to decision. It, it's live, but I could also see, you know, Abdel Wahab just staying in there enough that Mays grinds him out and, and just ch chips away from him. Uh, chips away at him from distance. Again, late finish is absolutely live for Mays, though. I wouldn't lay the or lay the the house on fight doesn't go to decision, though. 
Juan Lopez saying uh, Abdel Wahab height listed at 6'2". That's definitely off. He's 5'11", Max. Yeah, he is a short heavyweight for sure. Demetrius Andrade knocks out Canelo Alvarez saying we're smoking that Jenny backpack. Jenny backpack. Okay, cool. Robot Chicken Wings saying love the breakdowns. Appreciate the love and support as always, my friend. Wendy Willis is saying his maze. Maze is too big an experience for Abdel. I believe so. Jared TG in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by, my friend. All right. Official prediction, Maze. Uh, Maze late finish last decision is what I would lean on. All right. Next up, we are rifling through these fights here. We got two more fights left on the prelims. The next of which is a lightweight fight between Drew Dober and Rafael Alves. Minus 205 on Dober, plus 175 the return on Alves. Seems like consistent money coming in on the Alves side as you opened up closer to plus 200. And uh, like I said, consistent money coming in on the Alves side. So last time we saw Drew Dober, he took on short notice Terrence McKinney, who we know Terrence McKinney style. Go out there, ravage his opponent within a round. If he can't, he likely gets finished. That's exactly what he was close to doing here against Drew Dober, as you heard him several times, but couldn't get the finish. Dober showed off his uh, experience, showed off his poise, and eventually landed his own big strikes against Terrence McKinney and then got him out of there as well. Uh, Dober can be clipped, right? Brad Riddell clipped him. Uh, he's been hurt on numerous occasions. And the I believe the vast majority of Drew Dober's professional MMA losses have all come via submission. Rafael Alves is absolutely one of those guys that strikes me to go out there and get a club and sub. And I'm expecting him to turn on the Jets right off the bat, right? We saw him go out there and decimate uh, or, or demolish Mark Casey in that first round, landed a big strike, and then obviously got him out of there with the choke. Almost finished Amir Ismagulov the same way, but Ismagulov, the crafty veteran, was able to work out of those bad spots and get back to his feet and get back to the winning style that he has. But Drew Dober, man, the guy can be clipped, the guy can be hurt. Right? It's not often that I bank on guys that have a limited path to success, which is usually like first round robust kind of guys. But that's exactly what Rafael Alves reminds me of. And I feel like he can take advantage of that against Drew Dober here. So I'm leading Alves, but like in terms of percentages, like Dober should be the favorite in this spot. Absolutely. Like he can look minus 200, minus 250 in this spot should he avoid the early onslaught from Rafael Alves. But if I can get plus 400 at least on Alves to win in round one, I'm going to take a little bit of a shot. You know, we, we don't have the props available to us as of yet. The under two and a half is currently sitting around minus 150, but I'm looking forward to seeing what the round one looks like. If I can get at least plus 400, I believe there's value there, and I believe that we can see Alves actually snatch up that neck after clubbing Dober and eventually take home a first-round submission victory. So, uh, again, I, I get the the dober argument more experienced better level of competition overall the better fighter you know especially over 50 minutes should it go 50 minutes but there's a reason alvis has as many victories as he has because he can get guys out of there quickly and dober has shown to be a guy that might be a slow starter at times uh can get clipped early in fights and that's where i think alvis could shine get that early finish of drew dober and take home a performance of the night bonus as well so my money will likely be on alvis round one but again, half unit shot, nothing crazy. I think he pulls off the upset in this spot. Let's see here. Brock saying, Team Alves by sub, right there. Witchy, my friend. Wendy Willis saying, one of the best fights on the card. I agree. This should be a fun, fun fight. 
There's some more Becky saying, what's up, Manfred? Spoiler alert in the Coleman event. Gotta let him know. Gotta let him know. Uh, Leon Nessestug saying, Alvis by guillotine earlier bust. I'm willing to invest in that at plus 400 or more. MMA bet sharp saying, missing a huge opportunity to call himself the Doberman. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be a bad nickname. Wendy Willis saying, I sneakily feel like this can go the full distance. If Alvis doesn't get him out of there early, I can see that as well. Tristan Sherrill saying, anybody know where you can get Mays minus 140 still? Well, if best fight odds is correct, uh, you can get minus 145 on DraftKings. You can get minus 143 on BetRivers, minus 146 on FanDuel, minus 143 on Unibet. Those are the only spots. Tristan saying, I read the email right away, but I can't find the price anywhere. I got it last night. Uh, on on FanDuel, I believe it was. Sharks to DFSing. I feel like McKinney fights that way on purpose because he knows he has suspect variability. If he doesn't fight that way, I agree. I completely agree. And uh, he is a minus 1,000 favorite next week against Eric Gonzalez. It might work out for him next week, but again. Uh, Robot Chicken Wing saying, I agree with Locke's picks besides the Kim pick. All good. Joshua Frick saying, surprised with that chin. Dobra hasn't been choked out more. Agree. Corey Yipo saying, Dobra doesn't lose to Brazilians. Is that true? How many Brazilians has he gone up against? Has he even fought a Brazilian? <laughs> he had a no contest against Leandro Silva. That was a guillotine choke. Did he? I can't recall. Did he win or lose that fight? Uh, yeah, Drew Dober lost. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it was controversial. I believe it was because he didn't actually uh, tap. Right. Uh, in the second round of the lightweight contest at UFC Fight Night sixty two, Dober was on the verge of freeing himself from Silva's guillotine choke when referee Eduardo Hurdy stopped the match, apparently believing Dober had tapped. Oh yeah, I remember that fight now. So technically didn't lose to Leandro Silva. What other I think that's the only other Brazilian he's faced. Or only Brazilian he's faced. <laughs> that's crazy that he's had as many fights as he has had and hasn't fought a Brazilian in the UFC other than Leandro Silva. Could be off, right? I know there's Paul Reyes, Nazar Hakras, Alexander Hernandez. Crazy. Uh, da, 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 da. Joshua Frick saying Bet Rivers had made one maze one thirty last night. I think the secret is out, which is why everybody's hammering him here. All right, let us move on to the next fight here, and it is the prelim headliner. As long as nothing changes over the next couple days, we got. Matthew Semmelsberger coming in at minus 155, going up against Alex Morono coming in at plus 135. I like the underdog here and Alex the Great White Morono. Now, from a technical standpoint, I think he's going to be at a disadvantage, right? Semmelsberger, I think, is the crisper striker, utilizes a little bit more diversity in regards to how he strikes, right? Kicks, knees, punches, elbows, all that stuff. 
but Morono's just relentless pace and ability to throw just crazy output, I think will be enough to eventually, uh, you know, start to slow down Summersberger, really push forward, make it look good for the judges. You know, might be a Priscilla Castro versus Ji Yoon Kim type of situation, but I do think that Morono will be able to get up there in strikes, maybe even outstrike Summersberger in terms of volume and actual numbers here. Uh, I believe Summersberger will be the one on his bicycle the entire time. Morono will be moving forward, landing strikes. Uh, in even though he's a BJJ black belt, he just does not pursue the takedowns as often as you'd expect a BJJ black belt to do so. Uh, I had the number here. Let me just quickly refer to it. Um, 0.35 takedowns landed per 15 minutes for Alex Morono. That's how little he's looking to take fights to the ground because he believes in his ability to just bite down onto the mouthpiece, move forward, land strikes, and just land more than his opponent. He's accepted that he's going to get hit, but his durability for large parts has held up long enough, right? I believe the only time he's been finished in the UFC to this point is when he got nuked by uh, Chaos Williams. But outside of that, he's been, yeah, his, his durability has held up pretty well. Um, in Legacy FC way back in 2014, he did, he did get finished by Diego Enrique, but again, since then, has yet to be finished other than Chaos Williams, and we know Chaos has nuclear power in his hands. Matt Summersberger, live to find that sniping opportunity himself and finish uh, Alex Morona early in this fight. Uh, so maybe a small hedge on Summersberger round one wouldn't be a bad spot, but I think as this fight starts to drag on, the Great White is going to continue to put his pressure on uh, uh, Summersberger here, and I think he'll eventually break him and continue to just move forward and throw output and win this fight via decision. I like the underdog value that we're getting on Morono here, and like I said, as long as he doesn't get nuked early, I think he'll have enough success to go out there and get his hand raised in this spot. All right. Jake Noker saying, Jake Noker, shout out to my guy, Jake Noker, saying, Morono dog all day. Talked about it in my video I'm dropping later. I love it. Jake Noker saying, Morono, four out of six last fights against top competition. I agree. Thomas Kane saying, save your money, guys. Myra Bueno Silva lock August 6th. She's going up against Stephanie Edgar, and I'm not 100% sure that uh, she'll actually be as much of a lock as I'm seeing. You know, I saw my guy Thomas Kane talking about it. I'm seeing a lot of other people talking about it as well. I think Edgar has been uh, uh, pretty much undervalued for the most of her uh, competition, or, or at least her career. So I think she's live. Uh, I don't know what the odds are as of yet, but I'll be looking at Edgar pre-tape at least. All right, back to this card here. Sean V, appreciate you stopping by, my friend, saying Moreno has no chance to finish the Jedi. I, I agree. You know, Moreno, not a crazy finisher. He hits hard, but I don't think he'll be able to stop Summersberger, but I do think he'll be able to outwork him uh, and, and outpoint him in this spot. Wendy Willis saying tricky line. The Hafrican in the chat saying, yo, what's up, Locke? Just got off work. Fuck William Hill. There you go. Uh, Morono performance versus Mickey Goss. Spook me. Interesting. In what way? Uh, Corey Yipo saying Morono last fights are against bad competition. God probably his best win as a late. Matt too big and too strong. I would not say Morono is his best win in that run. <laughs> not at all. Like if you want to look at his last five wins, Max Griffin is probably the last, like the biggest win out of all those guys. Again, Cerrone on the, on the back end of his career. Uh, so can't really talk about that one. I'd say all those wins are better than the Mickey Gall win. 
Max Griffin, Reese McKee, even Donald's like, I really don't think Mickey Gall is that good. I'm being honest. So, uh, yeah, I, I think all those fights are much better. Uh, Corey, you saying Zawada watched morning and lost to Pettis. You Zawada's better than Mickey Gall. I would have taken Zawada against Mickey Gall any day. Just sure I was saying Marona has solid cardio as well. I agree. Uh, Jamie Tran saying, have you done a mix event parlay recently? I did have one for Bellator and UFC this past week. Maybe I'll cook one up for uh, for the next couple of weeks that we got going on. Again, for anybody joining on the back end here, I do have renovations going on upstairs. I'm doing my best to bang it out and talk over most of the noise that you guys might be hearing. I apologize. But I'll have plenty of content this week for you guys to hear my uh, breakdowns. Not to mention going on clinch show later today in about four hours when the renovations will be stopped so I can actually do that show with him. African saying Morono looked like he was uber gun shy versus golfers for whatever reason. Dropped golf with a jab and just kind of froze for the rest of the fight. May have just been an off night for him though. Possibly. Luke saying I couldn't wait to fade golf with Mallet. Me too. All right, Samuelsberger, or sorry, I'm taking Morono. Morono by decision. I think he's a solid underdog spot on this card. All right, that is a wrap on the prelims here. Appreciate everybody hanging with us. We got about 100 people in here on this Monday afternoon. Again, doing my best to get back to Monday drops for you guys because I know you guys like that early content. Uh, make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe if you haven't already. And then lastly, uh, if you guys are looking for my plays, they are on the Patreon. Five bucks a month. Link is in the description below. Uh, I usually drop them to the public for free the day before the fights. But as we always know, the earlier you get you get in on bets, more often than not, the lines aren't there by fight time. So that is the benefit of hopping on the Patreon. I drop the bets for those guys immediately. And then uh, the day before the fights, I drop them to the public. Not to mention a best bets and props article where I go over every single fight, drop my best bet and best prop, along with the confidence rating on everyone. Not to mention also a... Uh, a live betting uh, primer, if you want to call it that, for every single matchup as well. You know, the mentality you should have going into each fight if you want to bet it from a live betting perspective. There you guys go. All right. Uh, let us move on to the main card, and the first of which is against the future king of the light heavyweight division, Magomed Ankalaev coming in as a minus 460 favorite, going up against Anthony Smith, who's coming in at plus 370. We'll start off on the Magomed Ankalaev side, who's coming off that lackluster-ish performance against Tiago Santos. You know, a lot of people are talking to him shit about Magomed Ankalaev after that performance, but I don't, I don't, you know, hate on him too much, man. That was his first opportunity to go five rounds, and he took it. Right, he's going up against the heavy hitter against Tiago Santos, who could end your night at any time. Played it super safe that night, ended up coming out with the win. He doesn't mind, you know, getting the booze from the crowd if he needs to. Right, the Nikita Krylov fight. Krylov was becoming a little bit too much on the feet, so he decided to drag that fight to the ground, get his grappling involved, get his clinching involved, and that's where he was able to get the win that night. Uh, the the Volkan Uzdemir fight. You know, that was a, you know, a little bit more of a entertaining fight. Volkan had some early success there, but Magomed quickly reminded him that he is the better striker, ultimately piecing him up and winning that fight via decision. Anthony Smith, on the other hand, 
uh, he is coming off that victory over Ryan Spann where he pretty much just dominated Ryan there and then eventually got that rear naked choke um, that was coming off that win over Jimmy Crude. If you guys remember Jimmy's leg pretty much giving up on him. And then even before that, short notice main event slot against Darren, uh, Devin Clark where he ends up getting a triangle choke and getting a win that night as well. Those guys are not on the level of Magomed on Kalev though, right? Anthony Smith, where he might have the advantage here is being the more busier guy on the feet. I think he'll be able to, you know, put the output on on Kalev. Um, on Kalev, sometimes seemingly gun shy, but he's very patient with his strikes and he's very methodical with his strikes. You know, he doesn't have a high output rate, but when he does land, he lands with vicious intent, usually hurts his opponents, and usually they get a little bit gun shy, just as we saw with Volkan Uzdemir in their fight. Um, but he can also get his grappling going if he needs to. And I fully expect him to do that here against Anthony Smith, who will likely be the busier party in this fight, which will force Magomed Ankalaev to slow this fight down, get into the clinch, drag this fight to the ground, and just grind on Anthony Smith, right? It wasn't that long ago that everybody was saying Anthony Smith was on the decline and, you know, he should start to hang it up after those two performances he had against Glover Teixeira and Alexander Rakic because he just got taken down with relative ease and grinded out in those spots. Magomed Uncle Live could absolutely do the same thing here, right? Let's get some experience in against a guy in Anthony Smith who might look to fight off his back and try to throw up submissions, but Uncle Live should be able to see all those coming. I think that Paul Craig gaffe that Uncle Live had in his UFC debut is going to be a thing of the past, and I think we see him pass his tests with flying colors. Again, may not be the most awe-inspiring performance, but I'm fully expecting him to grind out Anthony Smith here and win this fight. I am not going to parlay Uncle Live at minus 460. That's just an absurd line. I am also doing my best to just stay away from, like, at least with my official bets, staying away from parlaying these big favorites. Just stick with the spots that you like from a money line perspective and just bet them straight on, especially if you like them enough to, you know, bet them at the chalk of minus 200, minus 250, whatever it may be. But minus 460 here for Uncle Live, uh, I'm not fully on board. The spot that is kind of sticking out to me, and I got to shout out my guy, John Stargarian, for kind of bringing this to my attention, is the, uh, the overs here. The the over currently is sitting at minus 140 on bet online. I'm seeing minus 150 on Caesars. If it sticks around that minus 150 ish range, I might take a shot to win one unit on that. As I like I said, I fully expect Uncle Ive to slow this fight down and and grapple Anthony Smith into the ground, which will likely see this fight have the minutes, tick off the clock, and Uncle Ive win this fight over a 15 minute decision, which I absolutely believe he can do in this spot. Again. Smith is kind of live if this fight stays in the stand-up round because of the, the lack of output at times from Uncle Live. But I'm expecting I'm to show that championship medal in terms of, uh, you know, adjusting on the fly like he did against Volkan Uzdemir, like he did against Nikita Krilov, and get this fight into a rum that he can win. And the rum that he can win in this one, without a doubt, in my opinion, is uh, top control against Anthony Smith, dragging the fight to the ground and having uber success there. So there we go. Uh, African in the chat promote. I didn't. I didn't pay him for this one. He's saying join the Patreon, you DJs. Discord stays lit except when I mush bets and eat and eat ice for weeks at a time. There you guys go. Tristan Sherhouse, a fellow Patreoner as well. Appreciate the love. Uh, African saying no bet for me here. My dis dislike for Uncle Live clouds my vision. Again, Uncle Live should win, but I think the money to be made here will likely be on the over. The champ saying Kai beats Moreno. We'll see once we get there. Urban Meadow, New Jersey, saying uh, Locke, Anthony Smith will win by submission. Bro, Michael Meadow looked bored as fuck against Vulcan and Tiago. That has nothing to do with his ability to win this fight, though. Like, he shut those guys down. He won those fights without any issue. 
I don't think that means that Anthony Smith is going to win by submission. Uh, Anthony Smith has a legendary list of competitions. He's still in his prime for that weight class. I don't know. Wendy Willis saying, I think I'll go ahead and lose just to Johnny Walker 9 out of 10 times. Ah, Wendy Willis might be the new, uh, might be the new, uh, fuck, I forgot my guy's name here. What's his name again? Uh, the GOAT. Why can't I, uh, Tajik Bay? Where, where has Tajik Bay been anyway? I haven't uh, seen a post from this guy in forever. But yeah, if y'all if remember Tajik Bay's heyday in the comment section, it sounds like what Wendy Willis is bringing to the table. Thomas Kane saying Smith gets robbed in this fight. I can see controversy. My instinct stays, stay away. Urban Men in New Jersey saying Nathaniel Wood shows what it is meant to be minus 600. I agree. Hot Hand saying fight to start round three on FanDuel. Uh, what is that line? Because I think that would be not a bad idea either. Brock saying I'll take a Sean Smith off. I can get better than plus 400. I don't blame you. Anthony Smith is about 800 years old in fight. SD Chris Harris saying no goat chick. Gunner MV saying Anthony Smith did not did go on record saying he felt massively disrespected to see the line this wide. So I wonder if that changes his performance. Uh, it could. It could motivate him. But again, like odds don't mean anything at the end of the day. They can, uh, at least for, for a fighter to go in there and get the job done. They're going to fight just as well as they did, whether they're the favorite or the underdog. That will not change anything. Uh, Landau saying anywhere that on Clive will be extra motivated to look for a statement performance finish here after three straight decisions. I don't know. I don't think so. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to go for it like that, right? Who cares? Like at a certain point, you can't deny the guy. He's going to keep winning, in my opinion. And he's maybe one or two fights away from that title shot. Boring or not. Jared TG saying Tajik was in the chat last night during Weezy and Brady show. Ah. Yeah, I don't know. I just have personally I haven't seen him around my timeline or anything recently, but is what it is. Glad that he's still around. Solid dude. Supporting the industry and community pretty well as well. All right. Let us, like I said, Uncle Live by decision. That's where I'm going to be going here. No bet, but I'll be looking at the over two and a half or the fight to start round three. Uh, like my guy in the uh, hot hand said in the chat here. I believe that's absolutely live as well. All right, next fight on the main card brings us down to the flyweight division. We got Alexandre Pantoja coming in at minus 175, going up against Alex Perez, who's coming in at plus 150. Um, interesting odds here. You know, Alex Perez, I'm full, I haven't heard it yet. You know, obviously it's still the start of the week, but I'm assuming we're going to get a lot of belittling on the uh, Alex Perez side for being the guy that just quickly tapped out to uh, Davison Figueredo in his title shot, which seeming, which was actually his last fight, you know, about a year and a half ago. Um, he took that fight against Davison and uh, came out on the short end, but there were fights where Perez was a chalky favorite because we know he has a winning type of style, solid wrestling, improving striking, good calf kicking game as we've seen throughout his career, but most notably in the juicy a Formiga fight where he was able to get the finish that night. But like he could make this a close fight. Like I, I think if Perez lost maybe by third round KO or something to Figueredo, this fight will likely be closer to a pickup. Pantoja is a solid fighter. 
maybe technically the better striker, but I think that might not matter as much as Perez will likely be the busier party on the feet. And that's where he could likely get the best work done. But even his grappling, it could be good enough to deal with Pantoja. Maybe not early, right? Pantoja is definitely the better BJJ player. But early in this fight, like that's where the danger for Perez getting submitted, it comes down to that, right? But if Perez can like keep it busy on the feet, just enough to maybe wear on Pantoja up against the cage, really just try to slow down Pantoja, maybe he starts to take him down in the second or third round. Maybe he tries to play it like Dustin Ortiz did. You know, even if he doesn't get the takedown, just hold on to the back of Pantoja and just kind of wear on him, chip away with knees and, and short punches in those clinch exchanges, and he could pull away with the, the fight in that round. For me, this fight is the toughest one to call on the card, right? If it goes the full 15, I think Perez could make a good enough account of himself that he actually ends up getting the decision. On the Pantoja side, if Pantoja wins this fight, he likely could get the finish here, right? Pretty much all of Perez's losses have come via submission, and Pantoja is a great submission artist. But I don't know what Pantoja's submission game is like off of his back because when he does get taken down, he does a very good job in terms of getting back to his feet. Like, we saw the Brandon Roy Val fight. We saw the Dustin Ortiz fight. Like, anytime anybody looks to take Pantoja down, even the Askar Askarov fight, the guy's, like, right back to his feet. But then it comes down to the striking end. Like, is it going to be the possibly more effective, more damaging strikes from Pantoja that affects Alex Perez here? Or is it going to be the volume of Perez, which gets him the judges nod? So this, this is a toss-up for me, right? I don't have any supreme confidence in terms of taking the underdog shot on Alex Perez here. I understand why people would be looking to go that way because he can absolutely make this closer than the odds suggest. But the the, the layoff and, and Pantoja's improvements, it, it has me thinking that he could be the one that ends up getting his hand raised here. So I, I'm going to go Pantoja club and sub, but like I'm not, I'm not fully on board with him being a, you know, a, a shoe in lock of the night play type of spot. Again, people are on that what have you done for me lately type of thing with Perez, right? We saw him, uh, shout out to my guy, Prodigy MMA, I believe his name is, on MMA Twitter who said or, or drops those topology uh, odds by topology votes and it's minus 900 from Pantoja because all people remember is Perez getting finished quickly by Davison Figueiredo. Again, losing to Figueiredo is not bad, but I think it's the manner in which he lost, which was he goes for a takedown attempt and gets choked out immediately by a guillotine right which is usually like the everybody calls it the noobish way to lose is by guillotines or heel hooks and Perez couldn't get out of those so Pantoja could absolutely slap on one of those chokes and take it home with him but I think Perez could absolutely make it more competitive than the odds are suggesting and more competitive than people are expecting this fight to be so uh, pick gun to my head is going to be Pantoja but uh you know, if we see major steam come here on Pantoja and we get Perez closer to plus 200 or something like that, then I'd be forced to take a shot on Perez. But uh, I'll likely stay away from this fight. The the overs and unders got me totally, uh, you know, confused here. I, I could see it going over. I could see it going under. This is the most volatile fight for me on the card, honestly, because of uh, not knowing exactly the type of Perez that we're going to get in this spot. All right, uh, let's see what the chat is saying. Uh, Leon Nessusu saying Pantoja should be a better favorite. Joshua saying Pantoja deserves a title shot. Perez on the decline. Again, wh why are we saying that Perez is on the decline? He lost one fight to the then champion. He just earned himself a title shot. What decline? <laughs> 
he had a three-fight winning streak against, you know, Mark De La Rosa, Jordan Espinosa, and Jose Formiga. Not the highest level of competition, okay? I understand that, but, like, that comment right there is what I mean. Like, people are going to be on the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately train. Um... West Coast saying, what do you think of Covers Martinez, a young up-and-comer? Uh, I'll save that for another day, my friend. We're going to stick to UFC 277 here. Hafkin saying, not taped this one yet, but Pantoja has been very good to me in the past. I do like prizes, leg kicks from memory, though. Could absolutely happen here. Urban Man New Jersey saying, after that prize existed, again, yep. Shrugsta, DFS saying, prize got to win two fights this week. First, he's got to beat the scale, then he has to beat Pantoja. Good point. I didn't even touch on the weight issues, right? He did miss weight last time around, which is what I ended up canceling that fight against Matt Schnell. So we'll see if he can get in line here. Pantoja, better BJJ, better striking, much more durability, much better wins. I agree with pretty much all of that, but the, the striking part again, right? His output leaves a little bit to be desired. That's where Perez could possibly get a leg up in terms of being the more busier uh, party of the two. Lando saying Perez hasn't fought in nearly two years, pulled out once, missed weight twice, and scheduled bones versus Schnell, went into a weigh-ins before bearing this one. You answered your own question, my friend. Absolutely. MMA bet sharp saying like Pantoja, but cardio scares me. I agree. I think Perez has the better cardio. Uh, Leon saying, how would you line Pantoja versus Perez? Because Pantoja is better than Moreno, beat him twice. I think this version of Moreno possibly beats Pantoja. I'll be honest. Like, let's uh, look at this again real quick. Uh, Pantoja beat Moreno obviously on the on the ultimate fighter and then he beat moreno before moreno uh got cut and then moreno came back to the ufc and he's looked fucking amazing since then i would take this version of moreno over pantoja right now personally i i would line the fight closer uh, and again um your first question here i would line i would line uh this closer to maybe minus 130 for Pantoja. Again, more active. Um, better jiu-jitsu, obviously. Better technical striking. But again, Perez, Perez can make this close, honestly. This is a closer fight. How would I line Moreno versus Perez? Uh, I, I would line Moreno as the favorite there. Again, don't, don't do the MMA math thing here. And again, you have to take into consideration Moreno's improvements from those last two fights as well. I think Moreno is much better for since that Askar Askarov fight. The guys look fucking amazing. Never mind. I'm saying Dante Mays will be minus two hundred. Excuse me. Uh, maybe even minus two fifty, minus three hundred. I agree. Hot Hansen got to go. Pantoja after his performance against Manel and Raw Dog. I don't know. Prez Prez could make it interesting. Corey saying close fight, I agree. Wendy Willis saying Price should win, but Pantoja looking real good. I agree. Yes. Sorry. Uh, I, I would line Moreno as a favorite. I'd say probably minus 150 to minus 175. Again, very hard to hold down. The guy has solid takedown defenses showing nowadays, and his striking, I think, and output would give Perez problems, in my opinion. Wendy Willis saying gut feeling Pantoja wins. I'm on the Pantoja side, Pantoja club and sub, or even just sub. 
of some sort, but uh, fight is much closer than the odds indicate. All right, let us keep this train moving along. Next up, we got a heavyweight slugfest ahead of us. We got Derek Lewis and Sergey Pavlovich, both pickums at this point in time. Another what have you done for me lately spot, right? I'm seeing a lot of love for the Pavlovich side, but I'm expecting this to be a, a barn burner. You know, Lewis was a solid favorite over Ty Tuivasa last time around, gets knocked out, and now he's a, you know, pick him against Sergey Pavlovich. And honestly, this fight should be a pick him, but can Pavlovich survive that big power that's going to be coming from Derek Lewis? I get it. Pavlovich has big power in his own right, but we've seen Lewis, you know, always be the shittier guy in the cage in terms of technical abilities, but he always manages to land that big power strike against his opponent and get them out of there just because he has ungodly power, right? Him, Francis Ngannou, knockout power like we've never seen in the UFC before. So this is a coin flip. You know, I mean, I'm going to lean the Lewis side because I do think that uh, Pavlovich will struggle with the big power that he's going to be facing from Lewis. Maybe Pavlovich looks to get this fight to the ground. I don't know how much success he'll truly have doing so early here. Derek Lewis wants to get this one back too, right? In front of his home state crowd. Last time around, is in front of his hometown crowd of Houston where he got knocked out by Tai Tuivasa. But now he's he's fighting in Dallas still in Texas. So maybe he wants to make a statement again uh, that he wasn't able to make against Tuivasa last time around. But again, Lewis fights are always volatile. You always have to expect him to be the shittier technical fighter, but you have to always account for his god-awful or sorry, his, his godlike uh, knockout power. And I think he can land on the chin of Pavlovich and put him out here. So I'm not going to take too long to break this one down because it just comes down to who lands the knockout blow first. I'm going to go back to the well with Derek Lewis here, but it's a no bet for me. I might even look at the under one and a half, actually, as a potential bet. Uh, minus 150. I'll pass. But I'm going to go Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis by knockout. We don't need to get too deep into this one. Uh, Leon Sasuke saying not MMA match, just saying in terms of things that are known, Pantoja should roll, not saying Perez has no chance. Possible. Brian Lockhart saying Smith by sub is intriguing to me, though, as a hedge on Ank. Possibility. I, I could see that as well. Leon saying everyone is counting Lewis out, yet it's still a pick em. I agree. Brian saying Lewis by knockout. Gunny saying Lewis. Leon saying I got Lewis by KO with the first punch that connects. Again, it's like the press thing, right? It's what have you done for me lately? He got knocked out last time around. That means he's getting knocked out this time around. Again, line hasn't moved to indicate that the public is heavily on the Pavlovich side, but at least from everything I've been seeing in terms of what people are talking about on the on the Twitter sphere and stuff, people seem to be on the Pavlovich side. And if you're getting plus money on either side, credit to you, because it is a coin flip fight. Uh, Wendy Willis, theory on Tuivasa versus Lewis. Let's see here. Lewis bet Tuivasa by KO in the hundreds of thousands to, and took a dive. I will not entertain that. I apologize, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Landau with a hard-hitting uh, stats for you guys here. Lewis is 11-0 against white guys since his loss to Sean Jordan in 2015. Does this give him the edge over Pavlovich? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but but like are Russians tech like I know they're white but like do they count for being white like other like an Alan Crowder or some shit I don't know Leon Nestesug saying uh, Lewis Owen to in Texas then again his other loss was Cyril God can't blame him for that one 
Brock saying, I actually think this line is kind of disrespectful to Lewis, but it's whoever lands first, I guess. Yeah. Lewis fights should pretty much always be a coin flip fight. Because if he lands that knockout blow, he's probably going to get you out of there. Danny saying, definitely parlay method KO prop over one and a half. Ballsy, ballsy, ballsy. Uh, Hafkin saying the big issue with Lewis here is that he reacts so bad to punches these days. Good point. If if he loses confidence, yes, I agree. He does not react well to shots. We'll see if Pavlovich can can break him here. Brock saying Pav has only beaten bums. Pavlovich faster than Lewis. I agree on that. He is the faster striker. African saying if Pavlovich lands one decent shot, Lewis will be asleep in the next 10 to 15 seconds, possibly. He flares better than anyone out at heavyweight, unless he gets countered here. We'll see. Leon saying everyone on my Twitter feed is betting Sergey. I see that as well. Fight ends by KO, I think is parlayable. I agree. I don't know what that will be, but I'm pretty I'm assuming it's got to be chalk. Lewis hasn't had a first round finish since 2016. Good statistic. He always comes back and get that finish, but we'll see here. Uh, Luke Fulton saying, I, I was going to say Russian don't count. Exactly, I agree. <laughs> Corey Yupo saying beside Little Dalkis. Yeah, he did finish him in the first round. Russians count as white. All right, there you go. Pavel by KO. Luke thing, I think uh, Lewis is skidding. Age gap could be enough of an edge to allow Pavlovich to land cleaner, sharper. I lead Pavlovich. Leon saying, I think Dalkis is better than Pavlovich. Interesting. Thomas thinks over one and a half, they're both going to be careful. Could happen. That, that is absolutely a possibility, right? We see it when two heavy punchers go at it. Sometimes they fucking go balls to the wall. Other times they just stare at each other and just wait for the other guy to throw big shots. P case in point, Derek Lewis and uh, Francis Ngannou. All right. Enough about that fight. Again, we know it's going to be a, a coin flip. If you got plus money, you're probably on the right side. I'm going to go Lewis, Lewis by knockout. All right, that brings us to our first title fight of the night. Interim title on the line here as Davison Figueredo sits on the sidelines. Just wanted more money, maybe injured, who the fuck knows. But he doesn't want another fight with Brandon Moreno. So Moreno gets a shot at gold once again, taking on Kai Kara France. Minus 205 on the former champ, plus 175 on Kai Kara France. As the title says, as the title of the podcast says, I think Moreno touches gold once again in this spot, as I believe nothing has really changed since the last time Moreno fought Kai Car France and this time that they're fighting. Now, last time around, people expected Moreno to try to get takedowns to have any success in that fight. Kai Car France seemingly and usually is the better uh, striker in his fights, but Moreno proved him wrong that night. He beat him with output pretty much, landing the better strikes, moving well with his head, and then countering effectively. Kai Car France really needs his opponent to be in that pocket range to have success, but Moreno does such a good job in terms of moving out of the way, especially with his upper body from the strikes of Kai Car France, and then he was able to dip back inside quickly enough to land his one, two, three counter shots, and that was ultimately why he kept getting ahead and further and further away from Kai Car France, and that's why Kai was eating and you know, wearing the damage as much as he did that night. Nothing's changed, right? Sure, Kaikar France had a great performance against uh, Askar Askarov. Pulled off a giant upset against a guy that people expected Askarov to have, uh, you know, um, uh, massive grappling success against. 
Askarov could get none of that off. You know, Kai Carfans did a good job in terms of getting back to his feet, getting back to range, getting back to his striking, which we knew he had the advantage over Askar Askarov. And Moreno's not going to bother with the takedowns. Here's the be he's the better MMA striker here. Kai Carfans might be the better technical striker, but Moreno just does so many things well with, you know, a versatility of strikes, the confidence that he had, you know, going into that third round of the the uh, of their first fight was just amazing. You know, he's just flexing on him and just has supreme confidence there because he knows he's the one landing the better strikes. He does such a good job with, like, leaning his head in, you know, trying to draw out the, the strikes of Kai Carfans. Then he just steps back, gets out of the way of the big strikes, counters effectively, and keeps getting ahead on Kai there. Will Kai look to grapple? Even if he does, how much success is he really going to have with it? That's not his game. So even though he had a big upset against Oscar Askarov, that does nothing to change how this fight is going to take place because Moreno is going to fight nothing like Oscar Askarov. He's not going to be diving for desperation takedowns. He's going to keep it the way he likes it, at range, boxing Kai Car France up from the outside. You know, Kai's only chance to win this fight, in my opinion, is just landing that big shot on him and trying to knock him out. I don't see how else he wins this fight. He's not grapple-fucking him. Is he going to finally crack that ironclad chin of Brandon Moreno? I don't think so. Like nothing in history has told us as of this point that Moreno's chin is 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 bad and that Kaikar France can truly take advantage of it. But how does Kai win this fight? <laughs> we did, we saw the fight not too long ago when Moreno dominated him there. In the realm that Kaikar France was supposed to dominate him. How should I break down this fight? Let's see if the live chat has anything to uh Let's see uh, if the live chat has anything to say here to sway me the other way. But, like, I think Moreno is a, a easy spot here, honestly. Uh, Sharks still on the Mexican side. Josh Benedict took tire for our friends at plus 190. How? Let me know why you think he wins. Sharks are saying Kai's the same dude that he fought the first time they fought. Exactly. Brock saying Moreno only had so much success last fight because Kai Carfans had nothing for that one-two high kick. He had nothing for the, the striking defense of Brandon Moreno. Brandon was rolling with the shots, getting out of the way of his, his strikes. Again, that's why Kai needs like those pocket exchanges to have massive amount of success. Moreno just doesn't hang around there enough. Leon saying Moreno all the way. Watch the first fight today. There's no way KKF wins unless he does it the figure way with takedown or knockdowns. It should be close, but three, two, four, one. Moreno, he loses early, wins late. I'd be surprised if Kai wins one round. Maybe he wins one round. I'd be surprised if he wins two. Uh, let's see here. Leon saying KKF is one of my favorite fighters, but I sadly can't pick him. African saying, sorry, Locke, but I can't bet against, can't bet against the violent little Ewok. I ride for Kai to the death for him, cashing for Sadaskar for me. That was a sharp spot for sure. Very sharp spot, but two totally different fights. MMA Jesus saying, Moreno also isn't deaf. I like it. Uh, Alajuan saying, I'm on the KKF side just because I'm on a, a CKB fanboy. Remember, you got to, I'm hoping you're not putting money behind that. Uh, again. Props to you if you have the confidence to do so, but because you're a fanboy, shouldn't be a reason as to why you put behind put money behind a guy. Every fight is a different style. go match up. More or less, anyone know where Moreno is training this camp? He's with James Krause now. He's been with Krause for uh, the last several months. I believe I announced it 
back in March or April when uh, James told me initially. Uh, Sharks just saying Figgy knocked down Moreno three times on 48 for 47 decision offset. Interesting. I thought you were on the Mexican side. Again, it's possible, but I don't know. I think Figgy has more nuclear power than KKF. Leon saying Moreno by decision should be free. I like it. No technical reason at all. I, I think he's going to win. Just love CKB, boys. There we go. VP Major saying he's going to simply KO him this time. Best answer I have, Lock. All right. We'll see. <laughs> Moreno all day. Right there with you, my friend. Any chance this goes to a split? I'd be surprised. African saying, uh, jokes aside, I do think Kai has improved drastically. I understand your reasoning for sure, but I think it's going to be at the very least closer than you're anticipating. Could be. John Valentine saying, have a 10U max bet on DK and Moreno. How much would you hedge off on KKF? I wouldn't. I love Moreno here. <laughs> Lando saying Moreno will probably have the crowd behind him in Texas due to the Mexican factor. It could sway the judges to giving Moreno close rounds if the crowd's popping louder for Moreno strikes. Absolutely possible. Leon asking, how live is the Moreno sub? I haven't really thought about it from that perspective, honestly. I'm, I'm really expecting this to be like a, a kickboxing matchup for the most part. Because I think that whoever initiates the grappling won't have tremendous success in terms of establishing their dominance on that side. Good point from the Jewish better here. Didn't work that way in California or anywhere else. Yeah. He had the crowd on his side against Davison last time around and still lost a decision. Edward Kelly, uh, again, uh, we saw it last time around. Let's see. Uh, Sharks just saying, no, I was saying if Figgy had to knock him down three times to win a 48 for decision, and Kai ain't doing that. Okay, got it, got it. More or less saying, does Cross have any high-level strikers in his stable? I, I don't think Moreno is at that point where he needs that. Like, he didn't even have high-level strikers or training partners where he was at before and still made massive amounts of improvements. So I, I don't think that would be too much of a fault for him here. And again, we just saw Moreno beat KKF. Wendy Willis saying, is Moreno and Griner? I think I've seen him. <laughs> Corey Yipo saying, both are going to lose to Nicolau. Wow. Big words there. I think Moreno beats him too. And this is the guy that bet Davison Figueredo last time around. I bet him as an underdog because I thought there was good enough value on him and I believed in his approach. But Moreno, even in that fight, like he could have won that fight. And I don't think that Kai will have as much here. All right. Let us move on to the main event here. But before I do, shout out to the 100 live viewers that I have with us on this Monday afternoon. Trying to make this Monday thing a regular for the MMA Lockcast because I know you guys love the early drop for the fights uh, or for the breakdowns. So if you guys do, drop a like, drop a subscribe. Drop a comment as well, because I would very much appreciate that. Uh, get these numbers back up to what they should be and have always been, especially for these pay-per-view cards, trying to hit that 5K view mark for this one. Hoping that early drop will help for that, but the consistency of dropping the early predictions will continue to get that number to rise more and more. All right. Hit that like if you haven't already. You know what? I haven't even checked what the like count is at. I'm hoping we're north of the three-digit mark by now. 48. 
49 likes? Come on, guys. Y'all can do better than that. If you guys are watching this and haven't hit that like yet, just please do that. That's the least I ask. All right. Let us move on to the main event here. We got the women's bantamweight title on the line. We got former champion Amanda Nunes coming in at minus 275. Now champion Juliana Pena coming in at plus 230. Last time around, Juliana Pena, you know, pulled off the giant upset uh, with Amanda Nunes being a minus 1,000 favorite last time around. A lot of people just expected Nunes to go in there and do what she normally does, outstrike her opponents, beat them to the punch, land the better strikes, knock them out, or win via decision. Now, Nunes started facing a little bit more adversity in that fight than I think she expected to, which is why she said, fuck it, and just started just throwing haymakers and started training with, trading with Pena in those exchanges. And I think that was her ultimate undoing. We know that in the past, she's had cardio issues. Like, like I'm talking way in the past, like Kat Zingano in the past. And to me, I've been trying to take advantage of wide lines against Nunes where I felt like people were overlooking her cardio um, issues. But then eventually I became a believer that she shored those up. Peña brought those back to the surface here. And I think she believed that she could have that advantage, which is why even she started to go buck wild in that second round and really starting to push Nunes there. But I honestly and wholeheartedly believe that Nunes didn't take that fight seriously at all. I think she was just getting into the, you know, just getting into a comfort zone where she's like, I can just go into this cage and knock out any woman, especially when I have Joe Rogan jacking me off every single week, saying I'm the hardest hitter that women's MMA has ever seen. You tend to believe that and you tend to just get comfortable with that. Didn't work out for her last time. She looks in tremendous shape now by all accounts. Hopefully she's taking it much more seriously because if she does, this minus 275 might look like a little bit of a steal. I'm expecting more money to come in on Pena. You know, she has the obvious edge here in terms of confidence. She won the last fight. Even like the, the choke that she sunk in against Nunes, like it wasn't even in. Nunes was just gassed. She just quit. She legit quit that night. And I think that's going to haunt Nunes, which is why she's going to come in even more, more motivated here. I think we see her stick to a more disciplined game plan, use the leg kicks more effectively, stick with the jab, try to get that one-two out there more often than not, keep Pena on the outside, and just try to pick her apart, maybe finish her late, but maybe even win this fight by decision by grinding her out. I wouldn't even be surprised to see Nunes try to get some grappling going as well, right? Pena, not the best off of her back, but she does have some decent jujitsu, so she could make it a little bit tougher for Nunes to have ultimate control from on top throughout this fight. Pena is good, though, right? We got to give her her respect. But I, I really think that Nunes was not motivated at all for that fight. Now I'm not betting to the, to the I'm not running to the betting window to to parlay Nunes and everything and say that she's the lock of the night by any means, because Pena could absolutely make this more competitive, uh, or just as competitive as the last fight. But I'm expecting a more disciplined Nunes here, which should cause this fight to go deeper into the, the rounds, which is why the line that kind of stands out to the me the most is the over two and a half, which is currently at even money. Minus 110 for this fight to go over two and a half. I don't mind it. I'm expecting a more cautious approach from both women, especially the Nunes side. Maybe Pena just says fuck it again and goes rabies and tries to get Nunes out of there early. But I think she's going to, you know, I, I think she'll be wearing some of the damage from that first round and that will cause her to start to slow down herself. I, I'm, I like the over two and a half most in this fight. I'm going to lean Nunes to win this fight later, probably decision or TKO. 
maybe look at that round four or five decision prop that FanDuel likes to hang. But I, I think Nunez wins this one. I think she redeems herself, comes in much more discipline, and uh, beats Nunez to the punch. Or sorry, beats Pena to the punch and uh, gets her title back by having a better overall performance. All right, let us see. What the chat is saying here. Brock saying easy breakdown. Pena still the plus two forty dog here. If this was at one forty five or the line was flipped, the better news, but not here. Edward Kelly saying I like Juliana in the odds. Uh, again, if people think that Juliana can go out there and do exactly what she did in the first round, I completely understand the plus two thirty shot, no doubt about it. But I, I, I'm banking on a more disciplined and, and smarter Nunes this time around. Uh, Hafigan saying, I think this is an extreme overcorrection to the original minus 1100 or so line from the first fight. Brock saying, no, the first fight line was just completely wrong. I, I do think that the line was wrong the first fight. It probably should have been closer to maybe minus 500, minus 600 the first time around. Sharks is saying, maybe I'm crazy, but I thought Shevchenko beat Nunes in their second fight, but it was close. That is also Shevchenko, right? Uh, Brock saying, because it was Nunes. Again, we, we see it time and time again. When people get into that like seemingly untouchable realm, they're tough to, to beat and tough to bet because they're always heavy chalk favorites. Eventually, somebody's going to get that finish. Somebody's going to get that upset. It happened to Izzy with Jan Blachowicz. It's going to happen eventually again. But uh, maybe Nunes reclaims herself here, redeems herself, and plays a more discipline. African saying, I think Nunes is going to absolutely brutalize this girl. She's in way better shape physically going into this one. Old girl looked like she slammed a six-pack of Modelo in the back before the first fight. West Coast, some say it's because of COVID. Josh saying Nunes was rocked for the first time in her career. Yeah, at least since the uh, Katz and Gano fight. Brock saying the 135 pound class matters here. I I, I don't think so. I, I honestly don't. MMA Jesus saying Rogan is the same guy that literally said Rosie could beat some flyweight UFC fighters on the roster. And this guy is one of the faces of the sport. Yep. Josh likes Nunez inside the distance. West Coast saying, I believe Nunez overlooked Pena too. Nunez was saying GDR submitted you. That's why I believe Nunez went to the ground. I think Nunez went to the ground because she was tired in that second round, honestly. African saying uh, Nunez walked her like a groom poodle in a white neighborhood in the first round until she went bars to a rough and rowdy mode in round two and had a heart attack. I agree. Yeah, she emptied that tank in that second round. Josh saying Pena will force action, leaving herself open. Could happen. MMA Jesus saying a champion not being motivated is a red flag in and of itself. Shows mental weakness of cage. Mental weakness which manifests itself in the cage too. I agree with that. Nunez is bad at fighting, but she, since she's a man, I think she still wins. Jay Patel is saying, I don't you think Nunez's weight cut it up this weight is hard for her and easy for Pena. I think that Nunez is taking it more seriously now. I think she's remained disciplined. She looks in great shape. I don't think the weight cut will be as much of an issue for her here. Edward Kelly saying Nunez usually gets mission wins when she gets the points rock badly on the feet. I agree. Worthless saying Nunez's last fight was the most extreme regression I've ever seen. Hopefully she comes in better. I can't imagine, can't get the image of her eating three to four jabs in a row out of my head. Yeah. 
Luke Fulton going back to the Moreno-Kai fight. Again, Moreno just lands better strikes. Moreno, Kai needs that pocket exchange to have success, and Moreno never hangs around long enough in that pocket to, to get clipped with big shots. If Kai changes it up and goes to the body more often, maybe he has more success, but like he headhunts a lot, and he like he did in the first fight. So maybe that's a change he'll be looking to make here. Uh, Edward Kelly saying every bantamweight, every female bantamweight championship that lost her belt lost her next fight. Hmm. Good point. Jamie Tran saying, I just crossed my heart and hope to die that this main event doesn't end with an injury. Yeah, that would be nice. I hope not. Uh, Leon S is stating the obvious here, but I won't actually say it. <laughs> At least not until Friday. All right. That is a wrap on the breakdowns. Appreciate you guys hanging with me for close to two hours here. Got a ton of content coming this week. Got the Coach's Main Event Marathon, which will drop either uh, mid to later in the week. Still got uh, lockdown times to record with the, the coaches. I'm hoping I can get Kraus to help me break down the moreno Car france fight without showing his hand too much. Um, obviously, hopping on with Clinton about three and a half hours on his channel to uh, break down the card with him. Uh, I'll be dropping, obviously, the lock of the night videos that I've been doing recently, uh, you know, outlining what my lock of the night play is, you know, in a quick four to five minute time frame for you guys. Thursday back with, for propping you up with my guy, Cody Saftik. Friday, I'll announce it here. I'm going to be doing the Ultimate Wayne Show with my guy, Best Fight Picks, Dan Levy. I'm sure a lot of you guys know him. So me and him are going to be chopping it up for the first time in a long time. So uh, look forward to that on Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern for that one. Uh, and then Friday, or sorry, Saturday, obviously, Fight Day live chat. I'll see you guys there as well. All right. Appreciate the love as always. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe below if you haven't already. Drop a comment as well below. Let me know what you guys think about the breakdowns if you guys are listening to this on the back end. And also, if you want to listen to this again, but just audio version, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all those versions should be dropping in the very near future. So make sure you guys check that out as well. All right. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Just for you guys, I will do my best to continue to drop these on Mondays so we can continue to grow this community and have these early breakdown shows that you guys like uh, getting it out before everybody else, right? That's that's really what I want to do. All right. Love you guys again. Good luck on your bets this week. And I'll see you guys in a couple hours over on Pub Sports Radio with my guy Clint to break down the card once again. See you guys there.